Well, today uh, I've asked Neil <laughs> if he wanted to have some words to say, this is the time to say it because he's leaving and nobody can do anything about it once he's gone. <laughs> but I'm sure, though, that as we have been here, you have known the Laracos for all this time. You've seen how God has worked in their lives, especially in Neil's life. He's given his testimony before. Uh, some of you were here for that. Some of you were not. But I'm sure, though, that uh, not only his testimony has been used by God in many ways, but what he's about to share today will also to be used by God in your life as well. So I've asked him to come and say a few words, share from his heart, and, uh, and let's see how God will use that in our lives as well. Neil? <laughs> When you know someone for a while, you sort of read between the lines when you look in his eyes. He asked me to do this. I said, come on, Jim. I got through with my testimony by the, by the grace of God, and that was over. And so a week went by. He goes, hey, Neil, what do you think about saying a couple words? I'm like, I said, they know me, Jim. There's nothing I can say except for a thanks and goodbye. He goes, all right. <laughs> so we went to Mike's drive-in for our hot dog and hamburger. Hey, Neil. Did you ever think about saying a couple words? All right, Jim, you got me on this one. So, our Ohio Buckeye captain, our fearless leader. Uh, what does the time go? You know, so many faces, so many moments. Uh, the people have come and gone in this church. The joy we had of celebration when it's. When, that, when Jesus and the Holy Spirit's in this room, this place vibrates. But we also had a lot of sorrow and pain in this church and loss. Sounds like a family to me. Huh? Church family? When Lynn and I moved here, we were, we were, not, we were raised in churches. We learned about Jesus Christ and the Holy Trinity and God the Father. We knew that. We had the tenets of that. We weren't churchgoers. We decided to move to Oregon. We needed a church. We decided we're going to raise a family. Let's find a church. Let's try to find a church. My sister Valerie here has been uh, down in Rolling Hills for many years. Mom's in touch. Ministering to the women prison in Salem. Silent, strong example. Well, sometimes us, we're not too silent. Sicilian thing, you know. But we went down there. We spent some time down there. You know, it was good. We met some good people. We got our foot, our feet grounded, Linda and I. But we decided, you know, we don't live down there really. We live here in this community. And kind of, it was kind of big for us, you know. No, it wasn't bad. It was just kind of big, you know. And so, uh, so we decided to find another church and a new gym because our kids went to North Clackamas Christian. And uh, I, I didn't think much of the guy when I first met him. <laughs> I, said, I said, he's too good. I can't, I can't hang with someone that good. It doesn't work. But, uh, but, he, but he invited us for, you know, and so we got here and, and so we came and we checked it out. And one thing that I got from this one wonderful church is that... Uh, it was family-based, it was small, and it didn't have a lot of resources. 
You know, we didn't have a lot of money, a lot of resources, but what we had or they had and then we came in is what they had, they were thankful for and they used. They didn't complain about it. So this is what God gave us. So what are we going to do about it? So, so let's get to work, right? So I said, it seems right. It seems right. This place seems right. You know, we can do some community stuff and, you know, things like that. So, so that's where we started. Linda's been working. She's going to retire this week. I've been out alone at home a lot, packing, doing a little of this, a little of that. Things have been flying through my head. There's so many things to say, but I'm going to focus on just two things about growth and learning. I'm a changed man, and for the better. You're looking at a work in progress, people. <laughs> Still not there. Miles to go before I sleep, right? But uh, a changed man. So I was figuring, what, you know, like, what are the two big things, that, a couple of things I want to say that resembles I'm take away from this church and bring to Connecticut? Maybe who knows what the Lord has for me there as far as ministry, you know? But uh, Jim's, Jim's been driving this home for years. Every, seems like every sermon or every passage of scripture has this. As we call upon the name of Jesus Christ, we accept them in our lives, we say that, we believe it. Now what are we going to do about it, right? You've, you've talked about this. And what's, what's the big thing that I, that, that, that me, you know, that I take from it? Availability. Are you going to make yourself available to be used by God? Yes or no? And, and to what degree, right? When I was at Rolling Hills, there was a pastor there, Dale, and he had a series called Walking with the Giants of the Old Testament, you know? As I've been thinking, we talk about this at lunch over a hot dog. You know, thousands of years have gone by. Not, not much has changed, really. You know, we got Moses and Abraham, Joshua. We have Joseph and Daniel, Esther, women, men of the Bible, right? Moses, why me, Lord? Who am I? You know, I mean, what can I do? Over and over and over again, right till the coming of Christ, right? And even with the apostles, leave your nets and follow me, all right? All right? Availability. So I decided to see about well, being available. Pastor Mark Durkoop. One day, my, uh, we had gentlemen of the church came. Pastor Jim, Pastor Mark, Dale Oviatt, Tom O'Brien, Ron Miley, and a few others can't put hands on my daughter when she was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, you know? She's doing okay. She's tough, you know? But they put hands on her, and then after that was over, we were just hanging in the house, and he looks over. He goes, what's that? It was in the case. They go, it's a bass guitar. He goes, you play it? He goes, not really. He goes, you want to try? I'm trying to get a band. I'm trying to get a band together, you know? I said, I don't know. You know, I'm not good enough. He goes, he put his, his hands on my shoulder. He goes, just try it. See what God has planned. Right? And here we are, right? So, availability. But once you become available, it's a scary thing. You can't get the here until you go here, and here, and here, and here, right? Well, I'm around here. I'm not going back down. It's, it's a climb. But availability, it's a scary thing, you know, to step up and take that first step of faith. Because you know the net's there. You can't see it. You have to go, Right? Lori Grimm, one day she comes up to me, puts her hand on my shoulder. Hey, Neil, 
I think it'd be great for VBS. Lori, I've never done this. I'm not equipped. Who am I to do this? Just do it and see what God has planned. Just what Mark says, right? So I did it. I stepped up and decided to do it. And I have to say, people, if you think Moses was terrified taking the Israelites out of Egypt, <laughs> if you think David was scared standing in front of Goliath at a slingshot, you go into a classroom downstairs and that door closes, you got 18 kids and 36 eyes on you. And it's showtime, right? That's pure terror. But, but Lori said you did well. And through that, through the lessons teaching the kids, I grew through the word of God. That's how he reveals himself to everybody in his own way as we do it, right? So uh, availability. But it comes in a lot, of, a lot of shapes and forms, I suppose, not only an active thing and stepping up. But I was thinking about, again, learning in the word of God. I mean, like when Jesus was here and his apostles, I think one day he said, you know, his apostles were standing around and said, are you the Messiah? And he goes, well, who do you say I am? He says, you are the Messiah. He goes, well, then I am. But it wasn't the flesh that made him say that. It was God working through the availability of those men to know that he was God. He, he didn't go around saying he was God, right? He just didn't do it. And he said, don't tell a soul when my mission's done and I'm on that cross and I rise, the world will know who I am. So you just stay available, right? So availability. I'm glad I did it because or else I wouldn't be here. The other thing I just want to talk about real quickly is you don't change unless people in front of you set good examples. Fruits of the Spirit. I've seen it here. I'm sorry, my friend Jim, his humbleness and his humility as he stands, no matter what happens. We've had trustee meetings. Sorry, Bob. And it got heated. It got confrontational sometimes. People's agendas, what, what we want, but what's for the betterment of the church. I go to Jim. He goes, let's see what God has to say about this, not what I have to say about it. Something else happens. Hey, Jim, did you? Let's see what God has to say about this. Look what God has to say about this. Humility. My sister Stephanie. Kidmo. Step up. Try it. The patience you have shown. One of the fruits of the Spirit. And devotion. Bad day. Lawnmower breaks. Flat tire. She comes in. The projector's not working. These kids are on sugar all day. She puts her head down, takes a deep breath, says, you got this, Lord, and it, it works. And from that self-control, Neil, I don't think you should say that to the kids. <laughs> Try this approach. <laughs> Lori Grimm again. Her love and devotion to her teaching, her kids. Year after year, just setting a great example. You know, kindness, gentleness, fruits of the spirit. Yeah. I can go on and on, but that's what I'm going to take from this church and get better for it. So I leave a better man, you know? So when I stand up and someone asks me, I said, yeah, I know Jesus Christ. I want to spread the good news. I want you to know him too. 
I'm equipped. I'm empowered a little bit more now. And I thank you guys for that. Thank you. Thank you, Neil, for sharing exactly what I thought I'd hear. <laughs> From a guy's heart that has been uh, changed by God. So I know that when you guys head off to Connecticut, um, Connecticut better be ready because, <laughs> because God's going to use you guys in an incredible way. Your friends better be ready because they've, <laughs> they've seen a change. I'll see a change in you as well. <laughs> what I'd like to do, we talked about friendship. I'd just like to say a few words about this and encourage us in this and how to find that good friend. I'm so thankful for the friendship we've had. And uh, yeah, and whenever the Yankees play the Mets, I'll be thinking of you. <laughs> but also, all those days being able to talk with you and share with you through the not only the fun and good times, but all the tough times too. And how God has used you in my life as well. How He's used you to see, help me see what it is to be bold and be used by God no matter what. And you've journeyed in that way and you've reached that that that. Uh, progress of continuing on and allowing God to use you no matter what. I mean, for someone to say, sure, Lori, I'll go ahead and teach BBS Bible, why not? You know, <laughs> and things like that to just be used by God in whatever way. I, between, you know, with you and Linda, head of Connecticut, I'm, I'm sure that community is going to be in for some good Jesus moments. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, friendship, though, is pretty valuable. I'm sure you have some good friends as well, too. But sometimes there's some friends that might be more as a fair-weather type of friend. They're only there just for a moment, and they're not quite there through the thick and thin, uh, more the thin than the, than the thick or whatever, the good times only and not the bad times. And when that happens, you wonder, well, what kind of friend were they? And to, to understand and realize what a, a true friend is, I just wanted to highlight a few things from Proverbs to help us realize some things about this. When you go back to Connecticut, I'm sure you guys will be encountering old friends, but as well as making new friends, and maybe this will be of help for you guys as well too. A true friend, Scripture tells us, that uh, true friend is one who's committed for life. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. There are many times I've seen and heard about people who have been that victim of a fair-weather friend. Um, they establish what they think is a friendship with someone, and as soon as things get a little rough or someone gets their feathers all ruffled up, they bail and their time and that friendship is through. It's finished. Many of us have fallen victim to friendships with those who walk away and have been hurt in the process as well. But a true friend, one who God wants us to be with, uh, friends with, are ones who are committed to our friendship for the long haul. And as the verse says, will love us no matter what happens. Maybe there are some people in your, your life that uh, you have associated with, you have some friends in that realm, and they're not quite doing what they should be doing, or you're thinking, what in the world's going on, and there's been some conflicts going on a little bit there, 
but you're committed to them because you are a true friend to them. No matter what they do or what they say, it's not going not gonna to affect your friendship with them. I think of Ruth and Naomi in uh, their situation that no matter what was going to happen, Ruth was going to stick to Naomi. In Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. That type of commitment is what a true friendship is, is about, as Proverbs tells us there. So God says that the first quality that we need to look for in a friend is someone who will be committed for the long haul and who will love us for the simple fact that we are who we are. The next quality, and I want to share a couple more qualities here to uh, give you a, an idea of true friendship. The writer of Proverbs says that we need to look for in a friend is, is that we, we need friends who are going to be honest with us no matter what. Honest with us no matter what. True friends are honest and truthful. Proverbs 24, verse 26 says, An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Now, you remember your first kiss? Think about that first kiss. My, for some of you, it might have been a long time. And I see Bob and Sharon looking at each other there. <laughs> they kind of smiled. That first kiss, what was it like? How did you feel on that first kiss? When you or your spouse leaves, leaves the house, maybe you, maybe you give each other a little kiss on the cheek or a kiss on the head and I'll be back or whatever, but there's nothing like a kiss on the lips from the one you love the most in this world. When that happens, it's just wonderful. The writer of Proverbs is saying in this verse that when a friend or a loved one is honest with you, it's like kissing the one you love the most on the lips. Think about it. When a friend is honest with you, and tells you the honest truth, it means that they care about you and they have a genuine interest in your life. And they want to see you succeed and have the best life has to offer you. Genuine friends want nothing more than to see your life work out the way God intended it. And a real friend is committed to honesty and to doing all they can to ensure that your life will be lived in God's fullest and best. Honesty is extremely valuable in friendship. We should want our friends to let us know when they see things that are hurting us and that need to be addressed and changed in our lives. We should want them to be honest and tell us the truth in love about things that are hurting our lives and that are potentially damaging. We've probably gone through our lives where we've hit some difficulties. We hit some obstacles. We hit some roadblocks in our, in our lives. And it was that good friend that came alongside us and said, are you... Are you realizing what you're doing? <laughs> Do you see how this is harming you? What would it look like if you did this? What would it look like if you changed this? And that good friend comes along and tells you the honest truth about what's going on with your life. I think of Nathan with David, the sin, sin with Bathsheba. I think of Samuel with Saul and the number of wrongdoings that Saul had, and Samuel had to come alongside and said, no, this is not good. And Paul with Peter, the law and grace. And they had their differences there, but they, he was, they were all of them able to speak the truth in love on these things. Being told the truth from your friends can seem like a kick in the teeth at first. 
But when it sinks in, it is as refreshing as a kiss on the lips. We should want friends who love us and want to see us be the best that we can be and who aren't afraid to spur us on toward doing so. But who wants a friend who's going to lie to us all the time, always tell you what you want to hear? Friends like that aren't really your friends. People tell you what you want to hear, most not really, and don't really care about what uh, goes on in your life. They, they want to see you suffer with mediocrity and setting for second best in your life. Those who tell you the truth in love want to see the best in your life. But those other people are afraid to speak the truth because they're afraid they might cause some ripples in the pond of your life or cause a little discomfort in your life or maybe even cause a problem in your relationship with that person. They're afraid that it might be severed. I might lose that friendship. A true friend, though, is one who can't stand to see you be anything but what God wants you to be. A true friend is one who wants you to experience God's best in life and who will do what it takes to see that you get there. Another quality the writer of Proverbs says we are to look for in a friend is that friends who, know, who we know will help us spiritually. True friends help us spiritually. In Proverbs 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. 1 Samuel 23, verse 16, tells the story of such action in a friendship. Next to the friendship of Christ, to so many, the friendship between David and Jonathan is probably the tightest. If you've ever read through that and seen Scripture and, and know about that relationship that Jonathan had in, between he, him and David, it's the most committed friendship in the entire Bible. And we know about uh, David's background and all this, you know, rising in popularity um, because he'd kill that giant. And uh, as he rose in popularity there, he, of course, was going to be king. All these things. Because of all of this, uh, David became more popular than the king of Israel himself, King Saul. And King Saul grew to hate David, and so he set out to kill him. And David fled from the country, but the king wanted to dispose of David so bad that he pursued David with the intention of killing him. And this is where 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 16 picks up the story. It says, And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Helped him find strength in God. Here we see a man, Jonathan, who was so committed to his friend, David, that in the deepest, darkest time of his life to that, to that point, that he went to find him, and when things were tough and looking grim with the sole intention of helping David find his strength in God, to encourage him, to help him see. We need to seek out people to establish friendships with whom we know are going to help us find strength in God. A friend who's committed to help, uh, helping us grow spiritually is one who will help us find God and also know God. The greatest gift you could ever give someone is the gift of an invitation, an invitation to a relationship with God. That is the greatest invite you can give a person. True friends also help us grow in God. And as Neil has mentioned, he's grown a lot through the friendships and relationships here be able to grow and know God more. These friends should always be challenging us and pushing us on to being all that God wants us to be. These friends want for us to reach our full spiritual potential. 
The writer of Proverbs says that these friends help to sharpen as to become sharp spiritually a, a little bit at a time, yet constantly. He compares this type of friendship to iron that when banged by iron slowly after a period of time makes that iron that was beaten sharp. And think of a blacksmith who, who makes swords. He takes a hammer that is made of, out of iron and beats another piece of iron slowly and continuously until it takes the shape and sharpness of a sword. When this thing known as the church first began, people were committed to the core of their being to God and also to friendship. They met together. They came together. The book of Acts shows us this quite vividly in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 45. In that portion of Scripture, we see commitment to God as well as each other. Those people in the early church had both the uh, had both of those things in a radical way. And I believe this is the way that God intended for, for His church and the relationships of those within His church to be committed in that way. Giving, not self-serving. To be God-honoring and committed to helping one another both physically as well as spiritually. These people in the first church helped each other to grow in the relationship with God, and they really loved each other and were radically devoted to God and to each other. So a true friend challenges us and motivates us slowly yet continuously until we become sharp, committed followers of Christ who take the shape and image of God. That's true friendship. So great, that's true friendship, so what? What do we do with that? That's great to know. How do we get there? What is, what is, the, what is the, the, the progress to getting to that point? Well, let me give you a few tips on this. First of all, we all need friends in life. You cannot do this alone. If you don't have a friend in your life that you can actually go to and do this, you are, you are missing out. We cannot make it through life and live it to God's fullest and and best without the help of some key friendships. You're going back to some good key friendships back east and, and that you've had before. I trust they'll still continue to be some good key friendships for you, Neil. And, and as you and Linda um, go through the community there, hopefully you'll, you'll find some good new key friendships. But those key friendships that you had here, don't worry, they won't go away. <laughs> you'll have some good key friendships here as well, too. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Do you ever feel that you just can't find a real friend sometimes? Kind of tough, difficult? Do you ever feel that you just can't be friends with someone on such a close level? It seems like it takes time. There's not you know, resources to be able to do that. The writer of Proverbs not only says that you can, he also says that there's someone out there who will be closer to you than a brother. So we need to realize that as we look for friends, and, and really we need to have those friends that are true in our lives. So don't go it alone. Get a friend that sticks closer to you than a brother. And another thing I want to let you know about all this too is, is if you want a genuine friendship, if you want that true friend, you need to be that true friend. If we're not that true friend, we don't hold up that end of it, then good luck on finding someone that will want to be a true friend to you. A lot has been said about what to look for in a true friend. Again, we need to be that true friend in someone else's life, and you will probably find that true friend on the other side as well, too. 
but be a friend who will love them for who they are and not try to change them into someone you want them to be. Be a friend that will be honest with them and tell them the truth in love that will make them be the best God wants them to be. Be a friend who will help them spiritually. And sure, there will be some who will take advantage of you. You'll try to be that true friend and open up and be vulnerable a little bit. They might take advantage of that. That's when you know, okay, pull back a bit. Probably not going to be a true friend. That's all right. There's someone out there that will be. Don't give up. Keep on being a true friend. If you want friends as described here today, be that kind of friend in other people's lives. Another thing you need to remember is don't forget God. Don't forget God in all this. There are benefits committed to genuine friendships, but there are even greater benefits in God-centered friendships. Koinonia, as we were talking about in Sunday school. Coming together, fellowship, and you have something in common. You might have different professional ball teams that you cheer for that might be on the opposite end of the spectrum, but you have something in common. God. God's at the center of that friendship. It doesn't matter who you might root for, who you might be, even on the political aisle, what side that might be. If you have God as the center of your friendship, all that kind of fades away. The book of Ecclesiastes shares with us uh, some of the, the, the greater benefits. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can pick him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So the writer of Ecclesiastes is one of the main writers of the book of Proverbs, and King Solomon was the one, and he's the wisest person to ever live. And God says through him that friendships are necessary and beneficial. We need to have friends who are com committed to genuine, lifelong friendships. But notice, he says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What's, what he's saying here is that, that the only friendship that will be all that it can be and that will help us make life work is a friendship between two people with God at the center. When you have those three cords coming together, you've got a tight, tight cord. And finally, I need to let you know that we already have access to one who will be the greatest friend we could ever have. It's Jesus Christ. What a friend we have in Jesus. And I'll just let you go ahead and think about that hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. There is not a person on earth who will love you, accept you, be honest with you, be there for you, or help you spiritually more than Jesus. The ultimate friend is Jesus, and He wants to be friends with everyone. All you have to do is accept His offer of friendship that forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, a relationship that provides a way to heaven. Some of you have already done that, but your friendship has become maybe anything but intimate and close. Maybe you haven't been as close to God as you, you want to be. And to you, I want to say, start today to build that friendship with Christ into all it can be. And, and, it, and it can be a lot. Remember that friendships work both ways. They are not one-sided. If you already have a relationship with God through Jesus, then you need to purposely cut out time Busy schedule. Spend time with God and converse. Speak to Him through prayer, 
Let Him speak to you through His Word. If you don't work at your friendship, then it will never grow. And for those of you who can honestly say that you have never experienced a relationship with God, I want to, as a friend, (laughs) extend to you an invitation today. I want to introduce you to someone who will be the greatest friend you will ever have. He is a friend who will love and accept you for who you are. He will be honest with you about your life and tell you how to reach your full potential and live life to its best. And more than anyone else, will help you grow spiritually. He wants to be your friend and you can have a relationship with Him and receive forgiveness for your sins and and, and a place in heaven with Him for eternity. And we talked about that. We all are going to face eternity one way or another. Where are you going to to, uh, spend it? But all that is just a prayer away. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you've never had Him as your friend in that way, then today you're just a prayer away. I want to challenge you, though, all that if you don't have friendships in your life like what we've talked about here, search for those who would fit the description. Begin to talk with them. I want to encourage you to establish genuine friendships with others, especially here at Happy Valley. Be able to do that. Begin that process. I believe that the early church in Acts 2 is how God intended for His church to be, and I believe that will come at Happy Valley by having those genuine friendships begin and grow among those who call this place their home. And as you develop those friendships, God's going to do amazing things in those relationships. But it does all start with that relationship with the ultimate friend, Jesus. If you are a friend of His, you have Him as your Savior, you know what that's all about. If there's something, though, that the Holy Spirit might be talking to you about, tapping you on the shoulder about that friendship, maybe that relationship has grown a little stale. Maybe today you need to recommit. Maybe today you need to work on that friendship a little bit more. Spend a little bit more time with your friend, Jesus. For those who don't know Him at all, today's a great day to get to know Him. You have Him as your friend, more so your Savior, and receive Him as such. However the Holy Spirit speaking in your life about that, I trust that you will obey what God has for you, and you will respond in obedience and do that. But realize, friendship is so valuable. As we've heard here today with Neil and Linda, and, and I'm not going to ask Linda to talk at all, because then that friendship might be severed. <laughs> I want you to know, that friendships are there for you to, to, to go deeper in, and the true friendship you need to find is found here in, in Proverbs that I've mentioned. Look for that. Be that true friend. And you might have the moments then that God will use you in that person's life as well, too. We're going to have the worship team come on up. They're going to uh, share in a couple songs. And uh, as they do so, uh, trust that you can, again, just realize God's intention for you and the relationships you have already. Maybe there's some friendships that need to be developed more. Do that. Do that. Allow God to use you in many ways in that way.